Thanks for downloading this IMSA Radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA Radio wherever they get their podcasts. This is IMSA Radio. January in Central Florida means one thing. It's time to roar. The Rolex Roar before the 24 takes place this weekend, and it all kicks off with Media Day. Hi, everybody. I'm Shay Adam, and welcome to another season of IMSA Radio. Media Day is when all the drivers are brought into one little room to get their headshots done, which you will be seeing all year long on all the TV broadcasts, but then they are given to the media to have our way with them basically interview anyone and everyone and that's exactly what i'm going to try and bring you over the next three days worth of shows we are going to get interviews with some of your favorites some people that you don't realize are your favorites yet and some people who one day might just be your favorite so we'll see who we can grab try and break it down into the three different classes and hopefully get a lot of good content but being back here in daytona it feels a little special because 10 years ago was when the two series came together when the American Le Mans series and Grand Am made their debut as one united sports car front. We didn't know what to expect from that Daytona race and it wound up being, well, a lot to be perfectly honest, but it started off this great new adventure of which we've had more than a hundred races over the course of the 10 years. A lot of different winners, a lot of familiar names and faces, and a lot of returning series champions participating in this year's Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. But before the cars can even get on track, we've got a few people to talk to. It's been a few months now since the end of the season, but I guarantee Philippe Albuquerque has been replaying the end of Petit Le Mans for a while. <laughs> you have now finished second in the championship. What is this, three years in a row? If I could offer you a win at the Rolex and Sebring or the championship, which one would you take? I still go for the Daytona and Sebring. Yeah. It's way bigger. Uh, again, I don't have any IMSA uh, trophies, but I, I'm really proud of my three Daytona wins. Uh, it's those things that uh, it's hard to, to, to say which one do you prefer to win, Daytona or the championship. Obviously, when you're missing one, you want the one that it's, you're missing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so again, it's just keeping the head down and, and, and work and uh, thinking what can I've done better or sometimes there is no solution for the situation that we are in encounter so it's just a play again last year was a weird season when we look at it from statistics wise it was so mixed up and so many different people got podiums there's nothing really that you could have done different at the end of the day to get the championship it's just everyone else's misfortunes kind of stacked up has that given you any peace in the off season to look at what everyone else did versus what you guys accomplished I mean, obviously the off-season, you, you go down playing what happened in the, in the past year and obviously the ifs goes in, in, in those equations and with ifs, everyone is champion. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So it, it's a cruel thing. But uh, re- uh, looking to us and like looking to our own uh, performance, I mean, it's just uh, insane how things have came out that mm. we, we got no wins mm. and... And, and we had such a, a great performance in all the races. It was very few races that we were not really, per, you know, on pace. Really, really few ones. And actually, I think those few ones is one, it's were, were the ones that we scored the solid points, which is insane. So, uh, again, the other ones that we were really chasing for the win, always something happened from the radio failure, mm-hmm. from um, a little, a little technical issues, which it's normal to happen because it was the first year which yeah. happened to everybody but the, the, the bad luck on, on, on then for example the win of um, that I thought I was going to win the, in more sport but yes. when um, you know how came out that um, uh, the, the, the Shane car the 60 yeah. played out because they were not fighting for the championship they were all or nothing mm-hmm. They were so lucky that he still managed them to get the win in, I think it's going to be the longest stint on history, which is like two hours on one full tank, which is insane. So again, it's, it's part of the game, but it's just still um, uh, 
crazy to think that he came out like that and again we missed by a little bit uh, the championship and we were fighting again I think when we say to a, a, a sponsor to a team owner or a team owner sells the project he's like we cannot guarantee you wins because that's the beauty about racing if you could guarantee then it's a question of money and piling up things and then that's the certainty there is no certainty in racing but you can increase the odds of getting there and once again uh, me and Ricky uh, we need to see the glass half full in a way because it looks like last year was a disaster it was terrible it was bad we need to do better but really yes it was um, weird year but come on the last three years we won one Daytona twice second with a question mark on the last year obviously yes. um, and three times second always fighting for the championship until the last hour so again yes it's been, been fortunate misfortune one year or the other but our main rivals until that end of the season has been changing but mm-hmm. we have been the same ones yeah. so we need to see the glass half full and see the positives about it and you know keep doing the same in a way of you know just a nickel more <laughs> well and as you mentioned the success being able to go to sponsors and sell a program clearly Wayne Taylor Racing has done that Andretti joining the organization getting a second car that goes to your accomplishments over the last few seasons with the team obviously people believe in you guys whether or not the championships are there Yes, uh, and, and I think that's that, that, that's. Um, I, I've been having so much love in the whiz, in the off season, in, in a way that uh, um, exactly that, like not winning but getting the respect uh, of great performance and doing well, and, and even crazier than that is like, I mean, 2023. I think was the first season in. 10 or 12 years I was counting a little bit that that I have not won a race it's be, I always win a race one year at just once at least once in whatever championship or whatever but it was the first one even in WAC I didn't win I finished second twice fighting for the win it's the first time that I'm not winning a race during a season in 12 or 13 years it's kind of uh, it is what it is <laughs> yeah. well, and, and we can't forget you won what four races the year before that so yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. it does balance yeah, the out the past years we, we won nine races yeah. out of that uh, 20 so Jeez. I mean come on out of 19 to be yeah. honest yeah. so uh, it's uh, it, it, I mean it's crazy anyway so but just saying that one thing is like the wins another thing is the the respect and the and the the, the the respect that you have in the paddock mm. and all around. So again, I think again, like Wayne Taylor Racing has been doing so well, and you know sometimes you don't win. No, you don't. But you can't deny that they are one of the candidates for every race all the time. Yeah. They, will, they when when you're making the maths of oh, how is how do you think it's going to be there? Mm. Our car needs to be the one of them. Always. Again, not taking always respecting our competitors because they are great and there are so many more drivers and and good teams able obviously to win but you can never say well the 10 car will not be there so and that says a lot and we need to see those points as well so how much harder is it going to be now that the 40 car is in the equation and you have a sister car that you're trying to beat too well it's going to be always uh, obviously harder Uh, they will be drinking out of juice you know (laughs) so So uh, there are a new pairing, uh, Jordan and, and, and Louis. But Louis, I mean, he, he proved before that uh, that he's is uh, a is a is young, but it's a hard one already to 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 beat. And Jordan has a lot of experience. I I fought with him in the past mm-hmm. when he was when we were both in Cadillacs. Uh, so he knows all around in IMSA. So there will be no adaptation for him. He will be straight away out of the packet, just just there. He knows how how it works, IMSA. He knows the rules. He knows everything around. So, again, it's going to be a great team there. have to ask about the end of Petit because, obviously, that incident on the racetrack shaped the way that everything went. We talk about the fact that championships are not one move, one moment. It's a season-long and and a series of events. But that event, A, I'm glad to see that you're okay. That was scary, seeing you get out of the car in pain. But the moment... Take us through it a little bit, as far as your perspective on that collision. Well, I think uh, I think the the the, the, the crazy fact uh, is that um, I never wanted to pass people on the outside on that corner. I know that you cannot pass on the outside there. Mm-hmm. I know, I know that. And 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 to overtake in that corner, T1 in Petit, you need uh, 
it takes two to ten tango, right? Yes. So and, and and I knew that at those stakes at this at that time of when everything is in in, in, in jeopardy, um, you know, not both of them want to dance tango. And uh, so basically, I, I just wanted to um, just put alongside him mm-hmm. and and then Caesar him going in, passing him in thir- inside of T3 mm-hmm. because going on the outside, even if I could go along him, he would be on the inside for the next corner. So, um, and that's what I tried to, I, well, that's what I said to Wayne Taylor, to uh, to my teammates. I think that's are the most important people to, to justify myself. My manager is saying like, look, I was not being optimistic. I was not being aggressive or whatsoever. And then, yeah, and they, they accepted it. But then I, I showed them proofs, mm-hmm. which I think that, that proves that I was not doing it. So basically, I break 20 meters earlier, the lap on that lap. I break earlier. I think people just did a mistake and break too early. And when he realized on the out, I was on the outside, he went back on throttle just to push him off, which I'm okay for him to, you know, push him a little bit and, 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 and make himself big. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because I gave him room. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm not okay is like he clearly pushed me off track, and uh, there is a, a slow motion camera on in his main board that you can see from uh, Peacock that you can see the slow motion of his helmet looking left, and and that's not cool, and uh, that's not cool at all, and uh, that's what he did. So again, I think he went too far. Uh, sometimes drivers get too far on just on the, on the heat of the moment, uh, but again, then you should recognize the mistake and that you went too far there is nothing you can do about it which again it happens again really not uh, not blaming on that but still he went too far and he didn't apologize for it he did nothing so again I guess it's what it is and um, yeah it was not nice in a way that I, I think he just went over the limit of um, over the what is acceptable of racing and especially in the fast corner it's not need for that um, and again uh, when we're defining optimistic it's the one that the guy that dives in tries to overtake and be optimistic and crash into the other guy and put him out which I was on the outside let's say that you know I have way more grip than him like so what he, he then he allows him that he was behind me at the apex and he goes power to push me off that's exactly what he did so again for me it's 100% his fault but again, nothing will be changed. Yeah. So I think I just need to move on, even if it's hard, it's unfair, but it's what it is. Yeah. Well, and moving on, thank you, by the way, for that answer. And moving on, if I could guarantee you one race win this year, would it be another watch or would it be Sebring? Because I look at my notes here and know, uh, Sebring's know. missing. Sebring and, and Lama and, and Imsa Petit. and Petit, yeah. it's been just a hard one for me uh, in my career. Uh, again, I, I'll... It's it's a hard one. I I will take both. Like yeah. for sure, Dayton is one that you have to win yeah. to win, and, uh, and and obviously Sebring. I won't, I need to put in my CV. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Philippe. Good Thank luck. You. Thank you. When we last left Louis Delatraz, it was with a smile on your face after qualifying, at the very least, because your first ever pole position at Petit Le Mans. The video you just posted a couple days ago, reliving that moment, the excitement in the car. How many more poles do you think you can get this year? I hope I can get a lot. I mean, I really hope we can get more wins than poles. That's what's matter in the end. There's more points, and uh, and the trophies are are uh, always good when they're home. But uh, I mean, for sure, it was an amazing feeling. The team trusted me for quali, and I mean, it was a lot of pressure because championship was on the line. And I definitely thought I can do it. And it started raining, so I didn't also want to crash the car. And to do a pole position in Petit Le Mans, my first uh, outing was a super nice feeling. So it uh, gives me more motivation for the next qualities. You've had this streak of success over the last couple of years with full seasons. When you run a full season, you tend to win the championship. So bringing that into IMSA, do you think it'll be any more difficult than it has been in ELMS and WEC? It's always difficult to win. Uh, it's true, last three years have been uh, amazing. We won pretty much uh, everywhere we went with the uh, LMS, WEC, and uh, I mean, inside did miss a race, but the championship tower won it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my first in GTP was great, so I definitely come here to, to win. I want to win the IMSA overall. Uh, it will not be easy, it will be a lot of hard work. We have two very strong cars in uh, Wayne Taylor Racing Andretti, and in the end, what matters is uh, as a team that we can win. You haven't yet technically raced your car, but you have raced in the 10. Do you feel a difference between the two chassis? It's interesting. In testing, it was the first time we had two cars to compare. And, um, you know, we would put the same setup. And 
you achieve the same lap time, but you always feel some very slight difference and, and some very little changes. But actually, I think that's what will make us stronger is we now have two cars, we can compare them, we can work, uh, we know they're both competitive and uh, we can choose two ways of setup. One car may be more aggressive than the other and at the end, before quality of the race, meet in the middle or go to the way that works. And over a full year, this will be a big strength, I think. Does it now feel like, uh, well, obviously it's eight drivers, but a four-driver team instead of two separate cars, two separate drivers, it's a different uh, atmosphere. The intent always was clear with Wayne Taylor Racing and Ready that um, we want, as you say, a four-driver team, not two cars. And uh, because of the relationship I have with Philippe and Ricky from 2023, where we, I mean, we're really friends, and there's no ego between us. I'm sure we can work together and uh, work for the team. Obviously, with Jordan, I'm already uh, getting along super well. He's an awesome guy and really, I mean, fast driver. So I, I have no doubt we can work as a team and not uh, compete against each other. For sure, they will be. Uh, at some point on track, maybe we will fight, uh, um, but with respect and with the aim to win for the team. I remember your win at Laguna a couple years ago, how excited you were to race there for the first time, because you've got an extensive career, a CV, on online racing, but it's different when you go to a track for the first time. You now get so many more exciting tracks for the first time. Which one have you looked at and circled and thought, I can't wait for this race? Yeah, actually, you know, I'm quite new to America. I only joined in 2022, and uh, every track I've been to, I've loved it so far. And uh, the only two tracks I don't know is uh, Long Beach and Detroit. Uh, I'm pretty sure Detroit, no one knows it. Uh, so that will be very interesting. But uh, Long Beach, I know it from the from my racing. Looks uh, like a really cool event. So I think that's the one uh, that uh, I want to tick off this year and uh, hopefully do well there because there's a lot of history. When you were going to these tracks last year in the GTP, as opposed to being there in an LMP2 as you had been the year before, what was the biggest adaptation for you to try and get used to? The, um, the GTPs are much more sophisticated than the LMP2s with the hybrid system and everything that it opens a lot of tools for us uh, while we drive to adjust the balance and make the car faster or slower if you go the wrong way. So that's that's the main difference. It's heavier, has more power. Obviously the GTP is much easier to go through traffic because we have top speed. Um, but also then like Petit Le Mans, I think on Brest teams we were overtaking over 100 cars, which for me was something new as well, where I usually have to look behind for hypercars or GTPs coming, where here I am in the GTP and I have to pass everyone. So that's the, the big difference, I would say. You've got quite the driver lineup in, in the 40 for this race. Uh, Jordan with three wins, Colton's got two. You have yet to win this race, and Jensen's yet to even be in the race. So how are you guys working together to try and find a happy balance to, to get a good car? I'm very lucky with my teammates, I have to say. I couldn't have asked for, for better. Obviously, Jordan has so much experience and uh, for the full season. Colton in America, I think, is... Uh, definitely the one of the best out here so I'm, I'm super keen I've raced against him never with him so to be able to share our experiences together and you know I grew up watching Jensen uh, winning a Formula 1 champion so for me to have him as a teammate is <laughs> it's kind of it's weird in an amazing way because uh, I get to work with him and learn from him so um, that's I will definitely try to be a sponge and take as much experience as I can from him and uh, then definitely I, I, I won a Rolex I want to win this race I've been close a few times 24 races I've been always second I never won I had some bad luck in 21 in Le Mans so uh, I hope to end this uh, bad streak and get finally a win on my CV I was not going to bring up that Le Mans that, that still hurts um, I remember the emotion of seeing everyone in the garage and yeah that we, we don't need that again but nope. as far as the season goes would you rather get the Rolex win or the championship win? Uh, both. both. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to say. I would say I really want both. Um, I would say I know Rolex. The Rolex is very historical, but for me, a championship means a lot more than a single race because uh, it's over a whole year. It's a whole team effort where on a one race you can also get lucky. But uh, ultimately, I want both. Good luck, Louis. Thank you. 2023, chatted with Joseph Newgarden at the Roar. Um, nothing good happened for you last year, right? There was just nothing exceptional. Well, I thought you were talking specifically Daytona. Um, <laughs> no, season long. I mean, obviously this kicked things off okay for you. Yeah, no. I mean, this was this was so fun to finally be a part of the Daytona 24. Um, you know, we, we started from behind really on the race, and we worked our way, tried to 
keep making our way back, but but just being a part of it was a big deal. And then you know, in the IndyCar side, we had um, we had a fun year. You know, being able to, to win the 500 and uh, fell short in the championship. So we're still we still got things to work on, improvements to be made. But you know, I think 2023 was was a pretty good year, and and we're trying to make 2024 even better. Once again, though, you have the right overalls on, and this time at the Roar, you're actually going for the overall win. What's it like to be a part of a Penske program looking for the first Daytona victory for the captain? It's exciting. I I can't believe we don't have a Daytona victory, uh, at least in the the 24 event, for the captain. You know, I know it's a big deal for him and our team and, and for Porsche. You know, I love the iconic nature of this group you know it's it's really uh, it's an iconic brand Porsche is just fantastic with what they build and the product they put out and the the pairing of Porsche and Penske is you know goes back a long long way and so when I think of motorsports those two have always been linked and so to, to be a part of this program now in the new age with GTP which has been so exciting it's great I mean just to be here as a driver it's it's really gratifying to have an opportunity to compete for the overall win and you know I'm, I'm ready to put my best foot forward and just trying to help contribute to the team coming back to this race though after running in the LMP2 class does it give you a different perspective of it when you're only passing cars you know this year around is going to be very different for sure you know just being here last year in the LMP2 was very beneficial um, you know I got a little bit of an idea of the cadence of the race you know how things flow the you know what the track looks like I mean it all helps you know where pit lane is but LMP2 and the pace of that is very different than GTP you know and, and you're getting past still um, pretty often you know the, the pace advantage last year too in the LMP2 class relative to the the other cars wasn't massive top speed wise so you know I felt like it was tough at times to manage our race and, and I think the GTP simplifies it a bit you're really just focused on going forward and um, that has its own challenges you know I mean it doesn't mean you're not going to make a mistake I think the GTP guys have to watch out and try and do their job but I I love the challenge of going for the overall win and you know being kind of the the top hunter on track and just focusing forward. It's a different um, look to the top class this year we have so many cars that are running four driver lineups it obviously takes the pressure off everyone else but does that mean that you actually have to fight for drive time in the race? You have to say, guys, use me more than two hours. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, I think it's going to be natural selection in that, you know, we've got great drivers across the board. And, you know, I feel very uh, team-based right now where, you know, whoever's whoever's running the best needs to be in the car. And I, I, I'm sure that's how we will approach it. I think everyone will do a great job because we have great drivers across the board and we can, you know, keep – keep ourselves fresh and that's ideally what you're trying to do you know when you have four versus three I think it gives you the advantage of keeping people fresher longer and trying to prioritize where you want to stack you know your you know your best opportunity and your best person to put in at the end and we're going to be looking to do that just like everybody you know we're trying to maximize the whole 24-hour distance but um yeah for me I just want to contribute you know whether that's a small part or a bigger part you know I just want to do do my job and and hopefully uh, contribute to the overall success of this event. The championship last year was ridiculously close. I mean, it could have been six different teams winning it at the yeah. end of the day. Last year, you were in a category where LMP2 didn't count for the championship, so there was less pressure. Now you're ultimately setting up Dane and Philippe for the rest of their season. Does that enter into your mind at all? Uh, definitely. I mean, we want to we want to start these guys off on a, on a great foot for the year. Um, but I think more than that, we want to win the 24 Hours of Daytona. You know, I think that, that takes priority. Um, you know, obviously, right behind it, we are thinking points. You know, if something goes wrong, we're gonna, we gotta. It's never over till it's over. We gotta fight to the very finish. We've got to give them a good starting position for the year. Um, but I think this is also just good learning for for them to take throughout the year. You know, what we do together as a group, they're gonna take on and just continue to build on for the rest of the season. So there's a lot that leads into it. I think momentum's a big deal, even if you don't win the race, but you had maybe, you know, a lot of good findings that can help them throughout the year. But obviously our focus right now is, is trying to be in position to win the race. So, yeah, excited to help those guys. I think they're tremendous competitors. Um, fun to be teammates with, too. And, and we can we can do some damage together. If you win the watch, are you going to wear it? I don't know. It's a great question. <laughs> it's one of those things you don't know unless you until you've been through it, right? Yeah. I, I hope we're lucky enough to, to win it, and then we can figure that problem out. Good luck, Joseph. Thank you. 
I have a perplexed Nick Tandy sitting at the interview table. Um, Nick, one thing that is not confusing at all, your success in IMSA racing. The win here in 2014, three wins at Sebring, a win at Watkins back in 2019, and arguably last year as well, and four wins at Petit Le Mans. You've also won major races like Nürburgring, Spa, and, oh yeah, the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So you come into Daytona. What is it about this race that you've only won it the one time, but I know you circle it and go, this is the one that I need to win again? I mean, I need to win it out overall. That's the thing. Fair. (laughs) So... I, I, do, I mean, you list all those, all those, those things we've won, and it, it sounds incredible, really. But then I guess I've been doing it a, a little while now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess Daytona is. I mean, it's a special race. It's a thing. Um, you get so many extra people coming. You get one-off teams, stuff like that. So it makes it important. It's a historic race. Um, it's a 24 it's a, hour it's at a track you idolise it's at a track I idolise <laughs> or a, a, you know, a stadium let's say yeah. and I even I mean I like the track a lot of the way we, we race here you know the way that the, the high speeds lead to you know close slipstreaming and the fact you can get a run on people and stuff like that so I like the event I like coming here in January it's better than you know sitting around in the winter in northern Europe so but yeah, I've, I've, I've won the, the other three big 24-hour races outright. Yeah. I've got a class win here, but yeah. like you say, that was crushed. I mean, that's 10 years ago now. Yeah. So yeah, I need to, need to win another. Well, I mean, Pen- Penske has given you all the tools that you possibly could need. Last year, you and Matthew put together a serious championship contender as far as race wins were concerned. Crossed the finish line first three times. Nobody else, well, no, one other team can say that. That would be Meyerschenk Racing. And they got the win here. Looking at your co-drivers for this race in particular, Kevin Estra and Lawrence Vantor, I know both of them want watches too. You and Matthew have done it before, but like you said, in, in class, is there anything that carries over knowing how to win the race? Yeah, I mean, of course it does. You've got to have... I mean, this is why... I mean, at the end of the day, it's why we're all, we're all driving in this program. You need, you need to know... The car has got to be in the race at the end. This, that's for sure. If, it's, if, it's a, if you're fast and you don't finish, then it doesn't matter. It's clear. But you've got to have, I think, you know, drivers that understand how to get to that point. You can't, all right, you can't mess around for 16 hours and just dawdle around because you'll go laps down. Yeah. You know, if you go a lap down, it, it puts pressure on everything to start, you know, you're like, I need to try and catch a yellow, we need to be in this right position. It starts to put people under pressure. So you can't mess around. But at the same time, there's no point. Everyone, you've got to realise when it's the time to to consolidate what you've got or alternatively, if you're good at a certain point in the race, you can put the others under pressure as well. So this is the thing. It's, it, you know, people say, all right, well, the car in the lead is just cruising around. But if you get in the lead and the car's quick and you can put people under pressure going to lap down it puts them under pressure to make you know make mistakes this sort of thing so there's a lot of stuff going on but at the end of the day you need drivers that understand all this and you know have a bit of experience so um, obviously we've got Kevin and Lawrence yeah. these guys have done a couple of 24 hour races between them before so just a few. they've been racing in a few Porsches before um, you know we, me and Mathieu have you know known them for a couple of weeks so I think the four of us working together is, you know, it makes sense. It's easy. They know the car. They drove, you know, obviously the full season in WC. So, yeah, it's good. We all get on, which makes it easier. doesn't always work out like that. But um, we all have the same goal, of course. Like you say, uh, uh, some of us have been victorious here at Daytona before. None of us have won it overall. So it's a big thing. You know, it's a big thing for those guys to be included to, to, to come over and have a chance to do it. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Well, I think a lot more than fingers crossed. You guys are putting in the hard work behind the scenes too. But looking at the competition, you've got three other manufacturers that you're going up against, BMW, Cadillac, and Acura. Acura has been the run of the season for this race as far as it's concerned the last few years. 
Which manufacturer are you looking at though the most, or which car are you most scared of, whether it has to do with the manufacturer or even the driver lineup? Um, I mean, I don't honestly, I don't think the driver lineup is there's much between any of the cars. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you're still likely, whoever comes in as the third driver or even the fourth driver, you're still very likely to have your your two, or at least one of your full season guys probably start and probably finish. And, um, you know, every, every car out there has got very good drives. That's clear. Um, some I think at least one others. superstar. Yeah. Some that I think are better than others, but you know, the, and anybody in that grid is capable of driving these cars um, to to the you know the position they need to be driven in to get the maximum performance. Who who do I look out for in this race? Um, I mean, honestly, from a performance point of view, I have no idea. Acura was particularly good here last year. It's clear, you know, they were they were pretty dominant. And out of all the tracks that we went to, um, you know, they probably had a bit the biggest advantage here out of any of any of the tracks we went to for any, for anyone else. You know, we were pretty good in in Indianapolis, let's say. Um, but I think yeah, it, it topped every session. But of course, you know, the, the things have changed. The cars have changed. The way the teams have changed. The BOP has slightly changed. So. What I think is going to come down to again is who's there, who's there at the end. Yeah. That's the thing, you know. It only takes one bit of bad luck. It only takes one thing to break. And I don't know. You know, Cadillac have done a lot of running. They've, they've got three cars that ran the whole season last year. Um, I don't know about BMW. Obviously, Porsche and Cadillac have run the two programs. So from that point of view. <laughs> you'd expect them to have a bit more of an idea of what might fail, let's yeah. say. Yeah. But Cadillac have only got one car in the race. No, two cars, yes, sorry. Where yeah. Last year they had three. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, to final question. To bring up qualifying from last year, that was not great. But qualifying here... It was going all right. It was going, all right. it was going very well. <laughs> it was. But qualifying here has been a particular strength of yours. It, it really has worked out well. You've gotten three pole positions and then been second twice, I want to say. So... Are you sure it's only three? Uh, 16, 19, and 20 were the earned Twelve poles. Or 13. 12 or 13 as well. 13. 13. All right, so four polls here then. Thank you for, for that. I'm actually going to write that in the notebook right now. Um, but you've also been second a number of times as well. So you know this track. Are you going to have another go at it this year? Um, I know this track, yeah, of yeah. course. I like the track. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. It's, it's one where I've always put my hand up to say, yeah, I'd like to qualify. Yeah. So... You know, you tend to. There are certain tracks that, that, if you rotate between qualifying drivers, then I would always say I'd rather qualify here than somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's one of those where the corners are long. You know, it's not just. I, I think of places like Road America, for example. There's a lot of turns, but they're quite short. You know, the actual length of time you spend in the turn, other than the carousel. Yeah. It's pretty short. Where you know what you do in turn one, three, and five, and even to a certain degree six here, because the exit is very difficult. There's a lot of work you do for a lot of time, um, and obviously the bus stop is. There's a lot going on there. So what I'm trying to say is, there's. I don't. I like places where you can make a difference as a driver. Yes. When the car is super dominant, if you've got a fast car, then anyone can put it on pole. I like places where you can you can make a difference as a driver. So, you know, whether I, whether that helps me or hinders me, I don't know. But uh, that's the sort of thing that, that appeals to me when it comes to racetracks. I'll keep an eye on you on Sunday. Good luck, Nick. Thank you. It's another full season for Ben Hanley, but this time you've got a different co-driver and a different color on the car. What's it like to have purple all over your fire suit and a pretty big name, a lot of history behind the team? Yeah, it's great. I did a couple of races for them last year in the WEC uh, so I know I know the group of people know the organisation uh, I know the performance that they've got and it's great to be 
part of the lineup as well. Everyone's bringing a lot of experience to the table, so yeah, we're, we're looking to be at, at the front. When you got the phone call asking Ben Keating to be your full season co-driver, was that a moment of, all right, this this could be something exciting. This could be a championship. Uh, yeah, you know, I had a, a great time last year, but wanted to keep the momentum going over here in the states, um, and it's an exciting opportunity. Like I said, with the, with a team that I've got some experience with last year, so taking that forward with IMSA and DLMS um, is is a great great place to be. You know how to win these twenty four hour races. You've won Daytona second last year. Sorry to bring that back up. Had to do it early on. You've won the twenty four hours of Le Mans in a pro am category. What is it about these twenty four hour races that seems to make it a little bit easier to get the wins with an AM in your car? I wouldn't say easier. Um, it's understanding what the race needs maybe I don't know yeah. <laughs> possibly it's the only thing I can put it down to I've got quite a bit of experience in racing in general so just picking your moments really yeah. of when you need to push when you need to take that risk uh, there's always going to be a risk when you have 60 however cars on track so it's just managing that of to pick and, pick and choose your battles and when you need to you know when you need to go for the dive and when you can go hang on a minute I'll lose a bit of time here but you know, keep keep the margin. So hopefully it's that, and you know, we'll keep 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 going with that that yeah. mentality and and that for the race. And hopefully it comes puts us there for the last few hours when when people do start putting the hammer down. You had a successful 2023. The only fact was that it was overshadowed by not winning the championship because ultimately coming in second. But big wins, Petit, Watkins. To look at the season as a whole. Do you look back on it and smile with pride because you beat so many other cars or are you frustrated because there was one car you didn't beat? Both. You've got to look at it from from both ends, really. The initial aim uh, last year when I signed up with with CrowdStrike and APR was uh, the Endurance Championship, and we won that. So Mm -hmm. you can't can't get any better than, than... achieving your original goal you know it, it was a big ask you know, new for George new for the team uh, I would not done a few of the tracks so yeah it was a it was a big achievement and at the same time a lot of frustration by missing out on so few points yeah. um, but that you you can more put that down to your worst result as opposed to the good ones mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've got to be consistent throughout the season to be in, in the shout with the championship. Everybody knows that. So, I think a little bit like the endurance outlook on the, how the race, when to take the risk, blah blah blah. A little bit of that comes in when you're not having a good race as well. Yeah. As you know, how can we not risk everything to go for the win? But okay, take what's happened to us. You know, we had a puncher at Road America, yeah. and maybe we pushed too hard to try and get back on the podium there and we should have just taken taken that hit as being unlucky whatever how can we you know maximize the points from where we are without risking too much um so maybe maybe that's another lesson learned you know for the team and for myself on on how to manage those situations so every race you learn something and even even those bad ones you need to pick up as much as you can You've been in the LMP2 class for quite a few years now in, in the States as well as in the rest of the world. But as far as being in North America and being in this race in particular, you've got so many teams that you've driven for in the past that are in the paddock. They're just another pit boxes from you now. Being with United, I know you said it, it's a bit of comfort. You've been with them before as well. But do you look at the teams that you've been with at CrowdStrike last year, Dragon Speed in the past, and look back on those teams fondly and, and think about yes wanting to beat them but being proud to compete against them uh, yeah like I said you you know I always try and be open to learning as much as you can every race every time you go on track you know I'm, I've got a lot of experience but at the same time I don't know everything there's always something to learn and I think if you take that that view throughout your racing career then you know you've got good memories with all the teams I've raced with so um yeah, really happy that I've been given those opportunities. Managed to get great results, win races, win the big races, uh, and just take that experience, take it forward. 
You said at the beginning of last year the goal was the endurance championship, which you managed to accomplish. What's the goal at the beginning of this year? Uh, it's, it's the overall championship. It's going to be difficult because the competition's so high, but it is in every LMP2 championship. Now, the car's well-known by everyone. Everyone's got lots of mileage. So it's those fine margins that are going to give you the, the edge, and they're difficult to find, so keep it on track, learn as much as we can, fine-tune it, and, and hopefully we'll be at the front. Yeah. Two's a lucky number for a lot of people. Hopefully it's a lucky one for you this year. Good luck, Ben. Thank you. Thanks very much. Pippo Durrani, two-time IMSA champion as far as the top category is concerned. You've got the Michelin Endurance Cup twice now as well, so technically you're a four-time IMSA champion. That's yes. That's got to be a really good feeling. Yeah, no, it is. It's uh, even just listening, hearing to you now. It's uh, it, it kind of sinks in after a while, you know. But uh, it, it takes some time to understand. And when I look back to see how much I've accomplished in the sport in, in such a short period of time as well, it's it's nice. But uh, we're here again. It resets everything back to zero and start all over again. But I think the nice thing about having gone through all that and won the championships that I have is how you get to a point in your career where you understand how to do it you know you get more not that you don't like you, you understand that there's so much up and, up and down through a season but you you learn how to build a championship to get to the end and, and fight for it so it's uh, it's been a, a long and nice learning process but when I look back still it's quite a short period of time and and um, it's been a nice few years for sure. You've got the big wins at Sebring. I mean, Sebring clearly loves you, given how many wins you've had at that track over the last few years. You've gotten the Rolex back uh, when you kind of burst onto the scene in IMSA. You've won Petit Le Mans as well. Watkins is the one missing from the resume. If I could give you that win, but that would be your only win this year, would you take it? Um, it's a good question. A very good question. I um, I haven't looked at it, let's say, a bit like you. I um, think Watkins is a very, very nice race to win. But as far as feeling accomplished in IMSA, I think the things that I have won has filled has filled that gap. Um, obviously, winning Watkins would have been the six hour would have been fantastic because I've won the short one. Yeah. But. Uh, but no, I think I would prefer to win more races than than just uh, than just Watkins. But you know, we've won the championship with one race win last year, and uh, if if I have to choose one race to win, my heart tends to fall a bit on the Sebring side. You know, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, that, that's kind of what I was getting at, winning just the one race last year. And I say just the one because the 12 hours of Sebring, every time you win that, that is a season worth of accomplishment in and of itself. That's sort of the legend race. So looking back on last year and only getting the Sebring win, does it feel like anything was missing? Because the Sebring win in the championship, that's a pretty darn good season. Quite honestly, um, I think everyone has high expectations for Daytona always and um, for GM and Cadillac, obviously we, we want to win that race and unfortunately we had a uh, contact with the GT midway through the race and only after a few hours uh, the suspension gave up. So I think um, I think if there's anything that perhaps we could have done a little better would have been Daytona. But um, in general you can't have everything in a, in a race season so um, having won Sebring and both championships, the endurance and the overall championship, feels like a very accomplished race season. In the end, we always want everything. We want to win all if we can. But um, considering how the GTP season, uh, the new regulations started, and we had so little time to work on the cars, I think if if you would have said you're going to win Sebring and both championships in the first year then definitely we would have taken it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, despite having that little thing at Daytona in the beginning of the year, I think it was a very strong season from us. It's another year coming into 2024 where you have a different co-driver, um, but not a different teammate because Jack is someone that you shared the car with last year. How are you approaching the season knowing your co-driver a little bit better than you have from the couple years past? 
Um, it's yeah, it, it, that's definitely something positive, you know, compared to what we had going back, as you mentioned. Uh, obviously, Jack, he basically did half of the season last year because all the endurance races plus Lamar, so he knows he knows the team really well. So it's a, like it's an easy plug and play. Um, he's obviously very talented, and and it just you don't need to start from scratch so that alone it's already something good you start already focusing on things that um, you've been working on throughout the whole 2023 season and you try to apply that to 2024 um, so yeah it's uh, it's very positive then obviously having Tom which is um, a champion himself um, I think having that mindset also makes a difference I, I know it for for myself I know how much I changed, not not as a driver, I would say, but as how how a championship changes someone in terms of confidence and uh, and so on. So having a champion as our third guy, it's a guy who knows really well the series, a guy who's driven another GTP, which also, in a way, it's it's knowledge uh, for us. Um, so yeah, going. I think in a few years, I think this is possibly the strongest lineup that we've had and the one that feels more easy plug and play you know not much to learn just get the ball rolling and and um, yeah happy on that side for sure it's the only three driver lineup in the top category what was the thinking behind choosing to not run a fourth driver particularly with the team that has in the past yeah i think um i think in the past we've had um we've had choose chosen to do four guys but there was always like a star guy in the car and with the level of our championship at the moment and what we've seen in the past the 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 level has always been so high but it keeps getting more and more um i don't have the hair just like farfus (laughs) he's trying to brush my hair but i don't have his uh flamboyant uh, look but uh no jokes aside going back to your question like we've had always a guy who was always a big name but it's always difficult to plug a guy into a race car in such a difficult series that now with a hybrid car it makes things a lot more difficult like the manuals of these cars are huge like 30 40 pages and so to have someone just be parachuted into the car it's it's impossible so we we thought that was a better decision to have the three guys have more seat time during practice dial in um, then trying to find someone else who potentially could hurt the um, the program in a way um, obviously there are guys who would jump in straight away and do a mega job but it's just that little extra risk that not having as many uh, drivers in the pool to pick up from with experience was something that didn't make s- made sense for us to uh, to do so um, yeah I think um, we've done this race in the past in three and it's a difficult, physically difficult race because you don't have much time to rest despite the long <laughs> straight. It's yeah. not much of a straight. Uh, traffic, it's very intense and so you are always, you know, adrenaline is always very high but it's what we're paid to do, I guess, and we're, we're going to try and do the best we can with, uh, with three. And you love it. You're not scared of more seat time. I mean, that's not something Pippo Durrani's ever going to turn his nose up at. Well, I told Tom that he can do the nighttime and rain. <laughs> rain time um, but uh, but no we, we, we're here to do the job and we, we love what we do and I think there's a very good saying that if you um, if you do what you love you will never work a day in your life and um, and it's it's how we we feel as drivers and privileged to be in a championship that is only growing very much and at the peak of the sport at the moment hopefully we have more to grow but we're headed the right way, so it's a privilege to be to be here. It's kind of funny because you have Jack going from a third driver into a second driver, and you've got Tom going from a full season driver into a third driver. So roles are shifting, and it, it's got to be fun for you to sit there and now you're with two friends, two people that you actually get along with outside of the track, sharing a race car. Does that change the atmosphere of the team? Um, it's funny because with Tom, we've been uh, joking with him already about. How how happy he is to have the Cadillac brand in his in his chest and finally jumping ships and so on. But 
it's just a joke. In the end of the day, he has his full-time job at IndyCar with uh, with uh, Shank, and um, and so he, he, I think, obviously, he does not feel like he's jumping from a full-time seat to a to a third third driver seat. Um, with Jack, obviously, I think I've been in his shoes before, where I was the endurance driver and and jumped into the full season seat so it's a great opportunity for him and for me it's when you realize you're getting a bit old you know you go into the sixth sixth year with the same team always always there and um, yeah no but it's uh, it's great fun we're, we're enjoying very much last year I had a, the pleasure to share the car with Alex as well which has become a, a great friend of mine um, despite sometimes having shit races we were still laughing our ass off uh, on a rental car back to the hotel so I think that makes you know having people that you enjoy working with makes things much lighter and easier to to go through so um, yeah it's, it's going to be another good year and finally um, apologies on my part because I didn't have a voice at the end of Petite so I wasn't able to actually interview you and ask you these kinds of questions but the moment in the race uh, the controversial moment that everybody talks about the moment when you realized that you were going to win this championship again, what were the emotions like for you thinking about where you started to becoming a two-time IMSA champion? Um, but first of all, the, um, it, I mean, the race only really, I only really started to realize that when I got past the BMWs because after the incident with the 10, we had a bad pit stop and we went behind uh, the BMWs and then they swapped positions, which meant that I think the 25 if the 24 was in between us he would win the championship and so obviously at, at that time was still hammered down you know and I didn't want to put my faith in someone else's hands where I overtook the 24 and I was at that moment in a position to win the championship but had the 25 the 25 overtaken the guy in front then again I would have lost the championship and so I only really got time to think about it literally when we crossed the finish line because I, I had to push myself to overtake both of them to have things more under control. And so I obviously was still full attack mode until until that point. And then uh, the moment I got past the 25, uh, then I started to you know think, okay, now we can possibly bring the trophy home. And I think... Um, I think I would say the emotions were more because when you look through the season everyone made so many mistakes the 10 crashed at Sebring destroyed three cars they crashed at Long Beach they hadn't won a single race the BMW had a average season not the quickest but they were there at the end um, and us it felt like we were the most let's say solid consistent, consistent. and and when I look at that uh during that moment I, I was kind of feeling a bit sad had I had we lost the championship because I don't think it's fair that a guy who hasn't won a single race is the champion after crashing and throwing away so many good results like Long Beach for example and so I started feeling okay is this going to be another year where we lose the championship being the ones that literally had the biggest chance of, uh, of winning um for example, more sport. We got, unfortunately, it happened when we got penalized by a mistake of the series because we entered the pit lane and it was still open and they thought it wasn't. And so when you start processing all these things and you're like, okay, if I lose this championship for things that are completely out of our control, having done such a strong season, me in particular as a driver, I felt like it was one of my best seasons, uh, would have been tough. But then, obviously, you cross the finish line you win the championship and so that's when the emotions came obviously I'm I'm not a guy who cries too much but I, I cried on winning you were crying yeah I cried both championships I won for different reasons but this one because it, it had been so much sacrifice to get to this point and um, and in the end it felt like it was fair you know that uh, we actually closed the season where it should have obviously others deserve this as well you know I'm not taking the merit of Porsche did a strong season they but they had their own issues as well and so I think with the guys that we were fighting with at the end the last survivors let's say during the race I think we were the ones that deserved the most and if it wasn't that case I would have been happy to say look they deserve but we won and that's how the, the game goes 
but no, so that's where the emotions came from, and um, and obviously cementing, you know, that uh, I won my first championship, changed a bunch of drivers in the middle, and uh, finally we were able to get the team back on track and win another championship. So that felt also special, you know, to have in a way led the team to be back on 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 where we were used to being. So. That was good as well. Well, hopefully we see more tears from you at the end of this season. Pippo, good luck. Thank you. About two months ago, there was a possibility of Connor Zilich testing a car to maybe run in the Rolex. Well, now you're sitting here in media day, going through all the media scrum, being evaluated by anyone and everyone. Has it sunk in yet that you get a chance to win a Rolex watch? Uh, I don't think so yet. Um, You know, this opportunity has been one that I've wanted since I was seven, five or six or seven years old growing up, um, coming to this race. So to actually get the opportunity to be here and, and be a part of it and be a driver is, is special. I've done some MX-5 races, and that's only made me more eager to want to run the 24. And, um, you know, just coming here and, and watching them and never really getting the chance to go out there and be with them um, has been a little painful. But I'm here now, and, and I'm a part of it. So... Uh, I can't wait for it, and, and just to, to get this chance for it with Aero Motorsport and, and, you know, with the teammates that I have, Ryan DL, Christian Rasmussen, and, and Dwight Merriman, I feel like we've got a really good team to hopefully have a chance to make something happen when, when the 24 comes around. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. What have the other drivers in your car, particularly Ryan, what intel has he been able to give you about not peaking too soon? Because endurance races is very different from MX-5. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a big difference for me, and, and Ryan and Christian have given me a lot of insight. So, um, you know, I've been able to learn a lot with the little amount of time that I've had in the car, and, um, you know, I'll continue to learn throughout the Roar and, and the 24 weekend. Um, you know, these guys have, have been super helpful, and whether it's the engineers, the team, my teammates, um, you know, I'm obviously a newbie at this stuff, and um, I've got a lot to learn. So soaking in and being a sponge, learning, learning as much as I can as we go along is, has been the biggest thing for me. The track walk is about to take place here in a very short amount of time. What are you going to be looking for in particular now that the track's going to go by a lot faster? Yeah, honestly, the break points are all the same. It's just I'm entering the corners a lot faster. So, um, you know, I'm going to be, you know, obviously the curbs are one thing. In an MX-5 versus an LMP2 car, you take them a little bit differently. So, um just driving style stuff's going to change for me, um, you know, from the stuff that I've come from. Running a prototype versus a tube frame stock car is a lot different. So, um, you know, I'm going to have to kind of shift my focus a little bit. But uh, I'm pretty used to that with all the stuff that I've run in the past two or three years. So uh, going from car to car hasn't been the toughest thing for me, and hopefully that will continue this year. I'm running a lot of different stuff this year, even more than I have before. So, um, you know, I better get used to it before, before it catches up to me, I guess. Is it going to be weird running here in another month's time only turning left, not going through the infield? Well, I'm not even 18 yet, so I can't even run the, the NASCAR stuff here yet. So um, you have to be 18 to do that stuff, so I don't have to worry about that one yet, but next year it will. <laughs> Looking at the future, you've obviously got a very exciting thing coming forward uh, with all the, the Kevin Harvick help to get to an official stock car role. What are you expecting as far as this year goes? Uh, what are you most excited about, I guess I should ask? Um... 10-year-old me would definitely say IMSA stuff, but for me right now, I guess with the long-term deal that I have with Trackhouse now, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to learning on ovals and and just becoming a better driver in that kind of racing. Um, I feel like that's where my future is and and that's where I'll be racing for hopefully a long time to come and um you know with the with the deal that Justin Marks and and Trackhouse and Ty Norris and I have together now um you know I've got a long 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 road ahead of me and a lot of learning to do whether it's uh on ovals or stock cars or whatever I'm doing um you know I've got a lot to learn so that's kind of the story of this year is new stuff for me and and you know just learning as much as I can so um you know, I'm, I'm excited for the IMSA stuff, though. This is, you know, my roots. It's what I've always grown up watching and wanting to do. So, um, you know, I'm really excited for this. This is a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. Can't wait to talk to you after you've been out on track. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm excited. Uh, super excited. I don't even know. I can't even put words on it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting for me, and, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. What else could I say? <laughs> As you can hear, it's finally gotten quiet in this room because the drivers have gone through. 
meaning that it's time for the talking to stop and the action to start. Lots of track action for the Rolex World before the 24, with cars on track for most of the day, but they're not all weather tech. We've got Michelin Pilot Challenge out there too, and then of course the VP Challenge making their series debut for this season. Two sessions for weather tech, two sessions for pilot, two for VP. So stay tuned. I'll be doing live updates on Twitter. You'll be able to follow along the entire time. And there will be more track action Saturday and Sunday as well. But for now, thanks for listening. I'm Shay Adam. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.